Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have in this great feast of the chief of the apostles, Peter and Paul, a great celebration of the apostolic ministry and what that all entails. We have the gospel appointed for this morning as our Lord engaging his disciples, asking them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so there's some murmuring amongst the apostles and they put forward some of what they've heard. Some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says to them, but who do you say Who do you say that I am? This is where Simon Peter, that rambunctious leader of the pack, pipes up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Reading the Gospels, this is one of those times, few times where the Apostle seems to actually nail something. A lot of the time they just are catching up constantly until Pentecost. Then they get with the program. They at least know and can confess that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the foundation for their apostolic ministry. It is exactly what he does at Pentecost when he stands up and he preaches. This is the apostolic answer to the question, who do people say that Jesus is? He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the rock that our Lord will refer to later. This is the ground. This is the basic apostolic truth. Because there's a whole lot of Jesuses out there. There's a whole lot of people who will say, not necessarily that he's John the Baptist or that he's Elijah or Jeremiah. We may be a little bit more sophisticated than that now. Uh, Maybe not more sophisticated than Islam that basically thinks that Jesus is just a prophet. Uh, Or that... Jesus is a prophet, he's a good guy, he's got good teachings, Uh, we should, you know, pay attention to him. This is, I want to say prevalent, but this is throughout all sorts of uh, assemblies that call themselves churches who do not actually believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, or at least you can come together, some can say he's the Messiah, others can be... uh, wavering about it, but they are admitted to full communion because, well, let's just be honest, it's not based on apostolic truth. And they really don't want anything to do with Paul because Paul is really (laughs) too far. If you actually read what Paul says in his epistles, then you start to wonder, uh, can I do this? But as with Peter, at his confession, that is the bedrock of apostolic truth. Everything is built off of this. We know this, right? This is what Christianity is. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Our Lord's answer to Peter is to tell him that flesh and blood have not revealed this, but God the Father in heaven revealed it. And then he makes a promise or maybe just a statement of fact and reality rather than just a promise. I, you are Peter, and on this rock, the confession that the Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, 
I will build my church. The rock, the apostolic truth, the apostolic confession. I will build my church upon this and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And to you, the apostles, and to you, Peter, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the feast of the apostles Peter and Paul. So while we have Peter here, Paul's not in the frame yet, right? It's Peter and the rest of the apostles. Paul is an apostle who is born out of due time. He comes later. And we hear, as I mentioned last night, we hear Paul all year long. So it was nice last night uh, during the epistles or the usually what we have for a feast uh, with the Old Testament readings. But when we have uh, apostolic uh, feast, you get New Testament readings. So we had a lot of Peter last night. We got Paul again this morning. We get Peter in the gospel and then Paul in the epistle. So they're trying to keep it even. But we have here that the apostolic faith and truth, the confession of who Jesus Christ is, is then given apostolic authority. Based off this confession, our Lord builds and establishes his church. And this isn't just uh, a gathering or this is something that has authority. It has weight. Because Peter, and as the Orthodox Church, he's the The other apostles have apostolic authority. Again, it's the feast of Peter and Paul, not just the feast of Peter today. All apostolic authority is given to them. Keys to the kingdom of heaven. This authority is a weighty authority, but is also an authority that we need. We need to hear This is my body. This is my blood. We need to hear your sins are forgiven in confession. We need to hear exhortations. We need to hear sometimes rebukes. All of us need these things. We need an authority in our life. And our Lord has put before us mediated authority. That especially resides in the episcopacy, in the priesthood, But it's also an apostolic authority that's shared by everyone. There's a special authority given to clergy, but there is an apostolic authority, right? When Christ sends out the disciples, not just the 12, but the 70, they have authority. Because in the name of Jesus, they can accomplish things. That we have access in our relationship with God the Father because of our Lord. But if we look at the epistle Because the epistle and gospel, I like to always kind of have them talk to each other. They're put there together for a reason. In the epistle, we see how the apostolic truth and the apostolic authority, how it's ultimately fleshed out. How the apostolic life, how the apostolic authority, the authenticity actually lives itself out. Because as we know, even in the gospels, right, the apostles, there's kind of uh, some... Who's going to sit at your right hand? Because authority sounds really nice. (laughs) Some power, right? Which doesn't always really actually come with authority, that you get some kind of power. But the power that Paul, what does Paul say? What is apostolic authenticity? Where does apostolic truth and authority lead to? What? Beatings. Beatings. (laughs) 
stones being thrown at you, pouring your life out for each other. That is where apostolic truth, apostolic authority, it ultimately fleshes out. And it's what actually images forth our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he was the truth. He was ultimate authority, God. And his authenticity, I don't really like that word. I was trying to come up with another word. His apostolic, I'll just say embodiment, the way in which he lived those things out was the cross. You notice through all of this, the truth that Peter confesses, the authority that our Lord gives to the apostles, the authenticity or the actual lived witness, apostolic witness. This is God's revelation to Peter, right? It wasn't flesh and blood. This is God's work. I'm going to build my church. And it's ultimately God's power that Paul in his weakness has to rely upon. So as we celebrate and rejoice in the chief of the apostles, Peter and Paul, and look at their lives, their teachings, we confess with them that our Lord is the Son of the living God. We confess, as we do in the Creed, in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and we confess and we strive to live that apostolic life, to have Christ living within us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.